0: You are listening to the TriCast Gaming Podcast.
1: Greetings and welcome everyone to episode number 26 of the TriCast Gaming Podcast. I am your host Grimlock, a.k.a. Philip Keeney, and I am joined tonight by firstborn Adam Garcia. What's up, guys? And neons Jason Andrews. Welcome back. Well, hello there. Uh, we are without Mike tonight. He has um, got some other uh, items he's taking care of at home uh, with his wife. So uh, we've brought Jason in one more time to to help us with this show. And I'm, I'm excited. We got some interesting stuff to talk about that I think you'll have some neat opinions on, Jason. So welcome back. I'm glad to have you.
0: Thanks. Appreciate it. Absolutely. I'm just glad you've
1: gotten over coronavirus, man.
0: Bro, it was rough. Um, I mean, I would say... You know everybody gets it uh you know hit, you know you hear all sorts of stuff some people obviously die over it some people get it and like don't have any symptoms and I didn't cough one time, I was just sick as crap, so I that's never, it was it, it was never like it like wasn't in my chest I just my body like crushed me everywhere else fever and aches and pains and headache and just felt like general crap for two weeks, so yeah. yeah. That Fun sucks, times. man. Yeah, well, I'm glad we, you're
2: better.
1: Man. Yeah, and we were uh, we were definitely thinking of you on the show. We'd mentioned that you'd got it and that we were thinking of you.
0: Yeah, I I'll be honest. I didn't listen to last last week's uh, podcast. This is the first one I haven't listened to, and um, I just I just you know a combination of you know I'm also in quarantine with my kids, and you know they're just they've been here for two weeks and they're just losing their mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, you yep. know, can't go outside, can't do nothing, and they're just like ah and so you know even when i finally do feel good i'm just like beat down and it's just like oh so i haven't done anything yeah. um, i haven't like i've been playing some video games obviously um it kind of helps pass the time like even when i was feeling terrible i'm like all right well i'm gonna feel terrible and lay here in bed and watch a show or feel terrible and sit here at a computer you know when i feel good enough to sit up but like so i did get some decent gaming in
1: yeah, it's what I always tell my wife is like if I'm sick enough that I don't even want to sit up and play a video game, you know I'm actually sick. <laughs> <You're> right.
0: <laughs> I did do a lot of sleeping. Like it's crazy like how tired it makes you. Yeah. You just made me tired all that's, the time.
1: That's definitely what I've heard. So it seems to really be going around more and more. I, I've got multiple people that I've that I supervise at work that Um, got it at various points over the past, you know, four to six weeks and you got it. And and Adam, you'd got it a uh, a couple of months ago. So it just, it definitely seems to be going around more and more these days.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. I I would say, here's how I would put it. I felt more tired with this than I did when I had mono in high school. Now I'm 37, (laughs) but that's the mono is supposed to just make you really tired, right? Like, right. And I felt more tired with this
1: that's what I've heard actually funny story my wife had to get blood taken recently uh, for some other reason and it wasn't covid related either yeah um, and they came back and they're like well you know you, you look good except you're a little low on vitamin B and D and especially with covid around you know we, we recommend a, a vitamin but also it looks like you've had mono at some point and we we're like what <laughs> <laughs> How'd so, that go, I guess my wife is such a badass. she's always doing stuff like all the time, um, and she's already run down because she's doing stuff all the time that maybe she just never noticed that she right, was right right she's just like, early. I'm
0: constantly tired, so because yeah once well, that's, <laughs> that's the next thing with mono when you get it, it's in your system for forever, and like high amounts of it's it's just like having herpes right like high amounts of stress can bring it back on, and um, I don't think you're contagious after a period, but you can rip the symptoms back up into your body mm-hmm. by, by getting sick or having high amounts of stress or things like that. Yeah. So.
1: Well, enough about illnesses. Let's talk about <laughs> some fun stuff. WandaVision is starting
0: tomorrow. Everybody excited for that? bro? I'm I, excited for that. I'm so excited. There is a small part of me that wants to just, cause I think it technically releases at like three in the morning. <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, I could game until three. <laughs> I know. I was looking to see if like, it was like a
1: midnight release. Cause I totally would have watched it at midnight. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, I don't think it is. They did um, say they're going to drop two episodes uh, at once, which is a little abnormal. Cause like with the Mandalorian, um, they only did one episode at a time, but they said for yeah. at least for t- tomorrow, they're going to drop the first two episodes of WandaVision. So
0: that's exciting. Yeah, 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 and that which I did not know that part, and I'm excited about that because that was my next thing. Is I'm so pumped about it, but I know that it's going to be a thing where I like I like closure. Like it's I I love to binge shows or watch a show that I can like get through. Um, like I loved Breaking Bad, but I wouldn't watch it until it basically hit Netflix, and then I just did the entire thing, uh, which was great because that shows one of those that you know every single show is this huge cliffhanger. And I'm like I I don't know how people would have done it without you know, uh, you know, it's waiting, you know, and, but I guess to be fair, you know, um, the Mandalorian has been fantastic and it's forced me to wait. So,
1: yeah, I mean, I like the idea. So I've kind of done both recently cause I watched the Mandalorian and then I watched Cobra Kai and, and Cobra Kai, I literally watched in a day and Mandalorian, I watched over the eight or nine weeks that it was running. And in some ways, like it was amazing watching Cobra Kai in one day and I got it all in and I enjoyed it and I loved it. But then the like the feeling of being in that universe or that world kind of faded pretty quickly. Whereas with The Mandalorian, I was kind of always thinking about it. Sometimes I'd go back and rewatch an episode and, and enjoy it again before the next one. And it kind of it lasted longer for me. So I don't know. I can go both ways. Adam, what about you? Which way do you prefer to consume your TV show content?
2: It depends on how um, how interested in the series I am. Like, since you brought up Cobra Kai, I've already watched that thing like five times. I think I <laughs> be- Just because I had this stomach virus. And yesterday I was at home in bed and I was like, oh, I just felt terrible. And so I was like, screw it. I was going to watch Cobra Kai again. And so I watched it. Still felt terrible. So I watched it again. Fell asleep finally. Now I wouldn't do that with the Mandalorian. I hate to say, just because uh, I have to pay attention to it more closely,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, that kind of stuff requires a little bit more effort. So you won't see me binge watching that anytime it's, soon.
0: You know, it, so I'll say this: like my, you know, my every night, my wife goes to put the TV on, and she is big into like comedy sitcoms. So she loves like Friends and How I Met Your Mother and uh new girl um you know and just basically cycles through all those series. so she'll like turn friends on and literally watch the entire show and then move to the next and watch the entire thing of how i met your mother and then move to the next and so she does that and i've seen every episode of those shows four million times right and but i and so i'm there for that but like i don't get how she does that like for whatever reason the production styled like the big bravado of a movie, I can watch a movie, you know, I can sit and watch infinity war 20 times. Right. Like I, I can, right. I don't know, or just anything. I mean like cliffhanger. I mean, you know, like super old school Sylvester Stallone movie. Like, I, I, and I don't know why I brought that one up. I don't love cliffhangers. It's just like it's, the other day it was on Netflix. I was like, Oh, I hadn't seen that forever. I want to watch that. Um, and I, you know, I, like I can watch movies, but when it comes to like series, for whatever reason, I just don't, um, like click on them. I've watched some really good series like for instance the Netflix series um Lost in Space. I love Lost in Space. There is zero zero chance I would turn around and rewatch it. But with that being said, the production to the this point of The Mandalorian, I would definitely watch The Mandalorian over. And yeah. it's definitely a series. I mean it's it's a TV show. Yeah, but it almost feels like it feels a like a movie. movie. Yeah, yeah it, it feels like a movie, movie that they've broken up into little parts. I, I um, think on this show one of you even said like if you had taken the last 3 episodes of season 2 and put them together in a movie, it'd be a top 2 Star Wars movie of all time.
1: Oh fuck yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that and I think that, that was probably that. me that said that, but yeah, I mean it'd be so much better <laughs> than the garbage we sure. got. <laughs> the garbage that we got with the actual the actual new trilogy. Um yeah, it's funny you mention about your wife can watch the same show series of shows over and kind of go through them. My wife has one show; she watches the Gilmore Girls.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, that's one she of the ones watched, I've had to watch. So, yeah,
1: and and over time, over the I don't know, we've been married for we got married in twenty twelve, so uh, this will be nine years this year. I yeah. think I've watched all of Gilmore Girls now, not in one go or in sure. order, but I think I'm I picked up you. every episode through well, I, all of the seasons because she will, will yeah. watch the Gilmore Girls and then she'll find something that she wants to watch and she'll watch that and then she'll go back and watch all of Gilmore Girls again and yeah. something else and then she'll go back so like I'd say in a single year she probably watches all of Gilmore Girls three or four times I'm not even kidding you Like, oh, it's no, I love,
0: I, exactly I, I live that life I get it now and, and yeah. it's funny too like some of those shows that like I genuinely really don't want to watch but you know you inevitably watch like Gilmore girls. Um there there's definitely times when um something's happening and I'm like, wait, okay, so who is he? They're or, mildly entertaining. Is, right? I don't I don't I don't get it. Like, like myself okay, like, I need to know what's yeah. happening. It's like, <laughs> I'm confused. Uh, yeah.
1: Why is my brain entertained? No <laughs> must go back to video game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it's pretty wild, but uh Another thing I saw was Deadpool three is now officially going to be part of the MCU. Adam, what do you think of that? Me, I think that's cool. I don't see anything wrong with it. Are you a Deadpool sure? fan? Not really. Is that I guess that's I, Mike, maybe. Yeah, I think it's I, a I, I, Mike. Deadpool. I, mean, it I think like, I, it was I inevitable. It, like entertaining
2: whenever he's on there. Like if, if he was on any other show, like uh, like if he's on Spider Man or anything like that. But I'll talk about the cartoon, by the way.
1: Yeah. Well, what did you think of Ryan Reynolds Ryan Reynolds as the Deadpool in the first two movies? I think he
2: nailed the the role. It was better than the X-Men role that he had.
0: Oh well. Talk about a low bar. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean I like the the uh, the
2: Green Lantern. Let's not forget about that one. Yeah, no, I'm I don't even want to talk about
1: that. But like I I thought it
0: could be a discussion which is worst. (laughs) (laughs) Green Lantern.
1: But I thought they were both really good movies. Now, the interesting thing is always that it's it's the R rated movie, right? So, what do you think about Adam, uh, an R rated movie being part of the MCU, and the MCU kind of being targeted more towards the the lower to later teen to the adults that are still nerds like us? Well, I think
2: more. I guess I am not too focused on like the the superhero part of it because I consider Blade part of the MCU too.
0: Well, he is going to be very soon.
2: Yeah, I like I, I used, to, I, I love the Blade movies, but to me, wait, that's like, hold on, hold on, it's step back
0: for
1: a second. Blade is a part of the Avengers cinematic universe thing, not technically in the movies, but it's part of Marvel.
0: I thought he was a part of the Marvel phase uh, that's coming out. I thought they announced it as part of the movies that are coming out. Oh,
2: yeah, up. they did. They did announce that. That's right. Okay, yeah, that's but, what he, saying.
0: He... but he could be
1: getting a movie in that phase, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he's tied into the MCU. Well, I mean, they're here's just, the only argument I have. That to that this point, is part of the MCU. What I'm asking is, are you telling me that Blade, the vampire hunter, Is actually like going to roll around next to Captain America. Because that's
0: fucking weird. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Maybe. Look. look, It's yet to be seen how they handle this. Um, What I would say is. What happens. uh, Very soon coming up. In um, the new Doctor Strange. Movie. Could have all sorts of ramifications. To what we see moving forward. Okay. Two. um, You know it's. They've announced it as part of the lineup coming out. To this point, name a single movie that Kevin Feige has been in charge of that has been under his docket that has not been in the Avengers timeline. Name one. I mean, I'm not the right person to ask, answer this. I mean, Mike
1: and, and Adam are definitely bigger Marvel fans than me. Adam, do you know?
2: The only thing that I can think of that's not really tied in completely is, is the uh, the Marvel TV series, but not, not the movies. The well, movies okay, are but, tied in pretty well.
0: But that's not under Fakie. I know. that That's what I was saying. Like That's the I, only like, thing that, that I'm doesn't I'm telling you, into. he's MCU. Like, Blade's coming. So the yeah. only thing that I would say also works in a... Like, I, 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 I'm a bit back and forth on how much... I think Sony and Marvel are working together a little bit in that basically Sony has, um, you know, there was that scuffle for a little bit and then Sony's given Spider-Man back to Marvel. um, But um, temporarily, (laughs) right, right. But, Basically, part of the agreement was that they could use that Spider-Man in their universe, right? So they have their Spider-Verse, and that's where they're doing all of the stuff now with Venom and Carnage, and so there's all of the, you know, at what point is Spidey coming over into their movies? Which it's going to happen. It's just when. And you've got you've got uh Mobius Morbius whatever his name is. Well, I can't think of his name. Morbius.
2: Morbidus? Yeah,
0: I know. I can't think of his. I can't say his name I all of it was a sudden. Like mode
1: mode. Modus or something? Yeah. I don't know. I want to say it's Morbius. I, but, Are you yeah. talking about the guy who was like the villain of the of the video game?
0: Uh, I don't know about that. He's a vampire. Oh, okay. Then no. He's a Spider-Man villain. He's a vampire. And so just like how Venom was set where Venom is a bad guy, but they set Venom up as this like anti-hero. You know, they're doing the same thing now with uh, Morbius. Morbius. Uh, I think it's Mobius, Mo- Morbius, Mobius, whatever. Someone's got to look it up. I don't know, yeah, but anyway, Morbius. Morbius. Okay, so um, he's going to be this like anti-hero. Well, I mean, he's a vampire. So okay, I
1: didn't even know that there was fucking vampires in any Marvel shit. Okay, I yeah, I'm oh, looking yeah. at this right now. Morbius, the living vampire. Yeah, I, I don't know about this. I don't know how I feel about this. I will say, just as a correction, I'm looking at I mean, okay, it's Wikipedia, but this is the list of phase four movies. They've got Black Widow, uh, Shang, uh, Shang Kai and the Legend of the Ten Rings, yeah. Eternals, an untitled Spider Man Far From Home sequel, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Thor, Love and Thunder, Black Panther 2, Captain Marvel 2, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, and Fantastic Four. That's what they've got listed here in the Marvel Phase 4 set of movies.
0: Okay, so have they started to announce any of the Marvel Phase 5 yet? One second.
1: So that's that's all I can that's all I can speak to here in terms of there's not they, a blade that I see. They
0: I believe they've already announced some phase fives.
1: They did announce it
0: though, I remember that. Hold on, I'm pulling it up right this second. Um I, this is not great for the so Black Panther well, they announced they have, two years ago. They they have announced phase fives. And here's the confirmed phase five list. Um I'm looking for one that shows them all together, but I'm not seeing that. I'm having to scroll here. So I apologize. I've but, got a
1: I've got a graphic here. This is saying that Captain Marvel 2 is part of Phase 5. So maybe Correct. And Blade. Maybe, and yeah, now I see Blade, Marvel Studios Disney Plus. So that's Which that's is like a Canada. TV show, not necessarily a movie, but yeah, you're right. So Spider-Man Sinister 6 must be that far from home sequel. Uh Black Panther and Namor must be Black Panther 2. The Fantastic Four movie, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, uh, Nova, The Last Zangarian, or Zangarin, uh, Miss Marvel, uh, The New Avengers, and X-Men. So I, I guess um, whatever the Wikipedia I was looking at was blending Phase 4 and Phase 5. Yeah, I'll gotcha. Because the,
0: the, the phase four graphic that I've got here. Oh, yeah. Because Fantastic Four is technically a part of five and you were showing it as four. Right. It, it also could be that some of this stuff got jacked up hardcore because of COVID. Oh, sure. Yeah. The, the timeline could be changed a bit and you could be kind of going back and forth on a couple.
1: Right. Yeah. um well anyway we've been kind of rambling on this for a little while i i do before we get into some video games i do because last week i skipped on this and i really just want to give a highlight i've been reading a bunch more and i want to highlight a few series that i've been reading because um, i think they're really good the first one um that i read was a new halo a new series in the halo universe um written um i think her name is kelly gay is her name and there's, uh, there's three in the series. The third one isn't out yet. It's supposed to be out in March of this year. Uh, but the first two, Smoke and Mirror and Renegade, uh, are really good. They follow a uh, crew, a ship crew uh, that are salvagers um, in the Halo universe post the Covenant War. And so it's kind of just really interesting to have this uh, civilian uh, salvager crew type um story you know i think the if i could step aside here for a second some of the best stuff in star wars is not about the jedi right so seeing some stories in the halo universe that's not about the master chief that's not about the spartans was really interesting and it was a really well written both of the books were really well written i read them like i consumed them like so fast it was almost like a tv show me binge watching a tv show um and they bring, but they bring in some elements of stuff that you would know. Um, I don't want to kind of, I don't want to give away any spoilers if anyone's going to read the books because I was kind of shocked when I realized this. So, but um, they bring in some elements that you know, but they're also focusing on just regular humans in this world, but also like how they interact with the different species, how the covenant species have integrated into society. Um, after the war, and how they're actually kind of all working together, uh, whether they're Kigyar, which are the like jackal species, or they're the Sangehi, which are the, like the, the elite species, and so on. So, just really, really neat books. So, um, and they're super cheap on Amazon, they're like 10 bucks or less on Amazon. So, I really recommend those. And then the next um, series that I finished just, um, just this past week was the Thrawn trilogy so so if you're not familiar with admiral thrawn from star wars he's he was in like the old stuff the, the legacy stuff um that kind of right. got all throughout through thrown out by disney but they brought him back into rebels and
0: they made him canon in right. rebel and then now, the books that you just finished are you talking about the what is now non-canon stuff that was made by
1: no, I, have, I I didn't read those. I'm talking about these are now canon books. They're written by a man named Timothy Zahn. Oh, okay. What's um, the books the, I've read? The Timothy Zahn books are canon now? I thought they were not. No, they are. They are canon. They've been written since the Disney merger.
0: Okay, hold on. I'm going to look up which ones I've read, and they're freaking fantastic. Yeah, so...
1: Um, so I just finished the third one in the series, which is uh, Thrawn Treason. Uh, it just came out last year. A very pr- pretty, pretty new book. Um, so Star Wars Thrawn was written in April of 2017, and then its sequels are Alliances. Yep. Yep. Those uh, are the ones I'm talking about. Yes, they're absolutely fantastic. Yes, so Alliances and then Treason, and I just finished Treason. I'd read the other two uh, last year or the year before. Uh, they are, like you said, they are absolutely brilliant. Uh, Thrawn is one of the most, um, just the best, one of the best villains, uh, if you will. He's not even necessarily fully a villain, which is what makes him such a fascinating character, but he's one of the best written um, empire characters that I've seen in any of the series is, um, and, and some of the rumors I've heard of him coming into the Mandalorian have me like super psyched. I would love to see him part of the Mandalorian show. Um, he's brilliant in rebels, but he's just this, his character is this amazing tactician, but also this person who can read people, he can read their facial expressions, their body language, and he can read people through art. So, um, he sees them as defined by their art whether it's whether it's music or or their cultures uh artwork and 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 architecture and things like that and he gets these pictures of how people are going to act in battle and he uses that to like step through them and the writes it so carefully that you kind of you kind of get bits and pieces of his plan as it's unfolding and then as the story goes the whole thing sort of unravels and you're like oh my god that all makes sense and it's just they're just such they're just such really good books and he's such a really interesting character
0: right Um, and he has a lot of interaction with vader and with um the emperor (laughs) um with the uh, moff gideon i mean he has a lot of you know big characters in his story
1: Uh, i think you're thinking of moff tarkin but yes uh Maybe maybe Grand Gideon. Gideon. <laughs> My bad. Yeah. No,
0: definitely not Gideon. It just came out.
1: Yeah. Um. So Grandma Tarkin. Um. And yeah, like the whole second book, it, he does this whole thing with Vader, and it's it's really cool. It's a great story with Darth Vader. The third book, it's all this interacting story with. Um, with Tarkin and uh, I'm drawing a blank on his name, uh, Krennic, director Krennic, the guy who's Mm -hmm. in charge of Stardust, which is the Death Star program. So it's just a really neat, like interweaving stories and how they kind of attach to the broader universe. But also, here's Uh, where my confusion
0: came from. Uh, Timothy Zahn uh, has now written a total, I mean, a bunch of books about Thron, so he's kind of a Thron specialist. So mm-hmm. he had an original uh, Thron th- trilogy uh, series that was 1991, 1992, and 1993. Yep. And then he wrote a sequel to his 1991 book um, in 2011. All of those are non-canon. Then he turned around and wrote two more books in 97 and 98. Those are not canon. So then he had a Star Wars. Thrawn series that came out 2017, 2018, 2019. Those right. are canon. Yep. And those are the ones that uh, I have, uh, have read. Yep. And
1: so then I went and looked to see like, is there a fourth book? There's not one, but he's starting a new trilogy. Uh, the Thrawn ascendancy trilogy, which I think is supposed to be pre him coming to the empire. So Chaos Rising is the first book. Greater Good is the next one that's supposed to come out in a couple of months, a month. So I bought Chaos Rising. Got that in the mail today. So just really excited to read more about, about this character, Thrawn, and, and what Timothy's done. So uh, these are definitely more geared towards adult or late, late, you know, teen, early adult um, range. They're not like the, they're not the kiddie type books that you get. So um, they're well-written um, they're they're mature. They're they're just really good stories uh, in the Star Wars universe. So as as books, I highly highly recommend them. So anyway, I just say wanted this. To, what, you know what they feel,
0: feel, feel like. It feels like a Star Wars version of a um. Gosh dang it! I shouldn't open my mouth. I couldn't think of his name, but like Ghost Recon and all that kind of stuff. What's that guy's name?
1: Oh, uh, Tom Clancy.
0: It feels like I don't know if you agree with this, but I've read some Tom Clancy books. And it literally feels like a Star Wars Tom Clancy.
1: Yeah, because it goes through the ideas of tactics and, and little bits of espionage and political <laughs> games and things like that. It's, uh, it's not just fancy space wizards fighting each other with laser swords. Right. So, yeah. So I just wanted to bring those up because I, I, we haven't ever talked about books on the show. And I think there are some great stories out there. Um, in book form particularly in the star wars universe um, especially with how let down we were with the new trilogy of films Um, and also it's kind of you know i was talking to a friend um, after the uh, after our our soccer game on wednesday and i was saying because he was telling me how his kids love the new trilogy and his kids don't understand why so many people hate the new trilogy of movies Um, And he himself, he's not really a big Star Wars fan, but he was just telling me this. And I was like, I think what you have to know is that the big Star Wars fans, the people that are consuming media outside of just the big blockbuster movies, they know what a good Star Wars story looks like. And that's why the trilogy of movies is so glaringly bad because they are really bad Star Wars stories. And so I don't know. I just wanted to bring up these books because these are books. These are canon. They are commissioned by Disney. Um, And they're really good. They're really good stories. And if you're a Star Wars fan and you want to have some faith in what Disney can still do with the series outside of Mandalorian, you know, there's some really good book series out there. So, all right. I think we've waffled enough. Let us talk about video games because each and every week we do get together to channel our virtues through the Triforce to provide you all the latest news and general thoughts of the mythical world of video games. We are new and doing this entirely of our own entertainment simply because we love playing video games. If you like what you hear, please consider leaving us a like and a review on your podcasting app of choice. Jason has left a review on our podcast on his podcasting app of choice. Thank you. I read that five stars. I really appreciate it. Uh, If you do enjoy, consider sharing on social media and the like to your friends and you can find us on Twitter at TriCastGamingP1 and on Facebook at TriCastGamingPodcast. DM us with your questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, corrections, anything that you have. As far as corrections go, I don't have anything. Um, I'm perfect. No, I'm not perfect. I just can't catch everything. So if you find anything, please do write in, let me know, and I will be happy to correct my mistakes on the next episode. So let's jump into what we are playing. Um, I'm kind of tired of talking because I was talking about the books. Um, Adam, why don't you kick us off? Tell us what you've been playing this past week.
2: I haven't really been playing much. All I've been doing is uh, playing Cobra Kai and Rocksmith, but that's because, like I said, the past couple days I haven't been able to sit up really because I got sick. <laughs> but yeah, it's just the same stuff—just to beat them up and playing guitar.
1: Hey, I, I I can't I can't fault you. I mean, those are those are good games. Have you got very far into Cobra Kai yet? Do you know like level um, wise or something?
2: Not nah, like, I know, like, there's a map that you're supposed to go through, and I've gotten pretty much all the stuff that's on the left side. That's
1: pretty much all I can tell you. I I've got the left bit. side of the map. Uh What about the story that's being delivered in the game? What do you think of it so far? It's
2: it's definitely not anything that you would see on Cobra Kai. Like, it has nothing to do with the storyline. So it's kind of like its own made-up little story. Is it good, bad, indifferent? So far, it's interesting. I mean, I don't want to give it away for anybody who plans on getting it, but it's interesting.
0: So I know nothing about Cobra Sorry, I muted myself. I don't know what I was doing. Um, so um, I, I know nothing about Cobra Kai, but I saw that there was a game. And immediately I thought, all right, it feels really fast for a game to already be out about Cobra Kai. Um, and so I was like, this just has video game, um, you know, like, you know, they make a movie and then a video game comes out about that movie and they're always terrible written all over it. And I'm not saying it is, but with this particular one, it felt like to me like, okay, did someone just like make a game and then brand it Cobra Kai and sell it to Cobra Kai basically and have them put their like branding on it and be like, good. I mean, is that what it feels like? Is I mean it's maybe a good game, but it's just a game that maybe had nothing to do with Cobra Kai, but Cobra Kai put branding on it, or is that completely wrong?
2: I mean it I mean it's been out since twenty eighteen, the Cobra Kai series. But as far as the game being just kind of rushed, it, it just kind of just feels like one of those like a Ninja Turtle game, like I said in the like the last week or the week before like, it's not nothing special, but it's just
1: something cool to have. Yeah, I mean, it's got, like we talked about before, it's got Rough Macchio and William Zapka voiced um, in the game. Um, I don't know. It was developed by Flux Game Studio and published by uh, Game Mill Entertainment in the United States. I've not heard of either of these two... Um, these two entities so I don't know I don't really know I know that graphically um it you know the things that I've seen about it I was I mean it's going for a different style it's going for a different look um than you know your modern AAA games but it certainly did look like a well they don't have a whole lot of money to go and develop something anyway so they had to go with a style that would make sense um but I having said that Going for the beat 'em up genre is there's nothing to sneeze at in terms of that probably is what kind of fits the Cobra Kai, um, the Cobra Kai series and 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 the feel of that. So I don't know. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to down it too much, but yeah, I, I'm I'm not sure. It's a valid question, I think, um, to yeah. ask though. Yeah, but like I said, it's not. I
2: don't. I don't feel like it's rushed. It's just more of like just kind of like one of those those things. Like they just made it just to be there. Like they weren't going to going for a second installment of the game.
1: Apparently, this studio is based in Brazil, São Paulo, Brazil, and they've developed one other game in their history, a game called Guts. Ah uh, yes, Guts.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. It is also a fighting game. The about about dismemberment. Studios? Yes, Flux Game Studio. I'm looking at a whole list of stuff that they've made. Oh, well, I don't know. You
2: got Get Over Here, Strength, uh, Overkills, The Walking Dead, and then the list goes on.
1: Hmm. Maybe my list was not a good list. There's also a McDonald's game. Hmm. A McDonald's game?
2: Yeah, released in 2015. Huh. I, I
1: just 2015. wonder, I, I don't know, I, I wonder if maybe we're looking at two different studios here. It
2: could be. But this McDonald's game looks interesting because it may be like a training
0: program for the people at McDonald's. <laughs> I was about to say, if that game shoves the McRib down my throat any more than the restaurant does, I don't want anything to do with it. <laughs> That's hilarious.
2: Now I I went to their Twitter page and then from there it had their their website.
1: Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I don't know the stuff I'm looking at. Uh, just it just talks about guts and then and then the uh, Cobra Kai game, but yeah, I I don't know. It's clearly not a big time studio, right? But also Cobra Kai is not a big big budget thing. It's not like the Avengers, right, or or something. So sure, sure, not uh, yet. it it makes sense that you're not going to have a massive studio behind it. But as long as you're having fun with the game, Adam, um, and the story is is reasonable, I I don't see a problem with it. Uh, Ultimately, I'm I'm just curious, though, like as a Cobra Kai Ultra fan, uh, what your final thoughts are on it? Because if you're even sort of lukewarm on it, uh, that that doesn't bode well for the game. If the Cobra Kai Ultra fan is not super thrilled by it.
2: I mean, I I like playing it regardless. I mean, it's just like the wrestling games that I play. You know, I'm like, okay, cool, it's a wrestling game, and I'm like, like you guys know, I'm I'm a huge wrestling fan. I mean, I have a my championship belt hanging right behind me, and uh, you know, like for me, like I think just because I'm not that involved in the game doesn't mean that it's not a good game.
1: Okay, well, I mean that's I mean that's fair. I I just think that I guess what I'm kind of poking at is that if. You know, if you were super thrilled um, by the game, that would maybe necessarily not lead to you saying that the game is good either, because you're already kind of the ultra fan. But if you're the ultra fan of the series and the game is kind of lukewarm to you, um, then that would that would be kind of concerning. But you know, that, oh, that's kind, kind of all I'm, I'm driving at. To me, gotcha. Well, I'll I'll balance it out with with this like
2: if I'm a huge fan of the Avengers games or uh, the Avengers games, that means I'm going to be disappointed in the movies. And since I am a huge fan of the movies, the games aren't going to do too much
1: for me. So to me, it's one or the other. All right. Well, that's fair. I mean, some people are like that. So yeah. All right. Um, Jason, tell us about arc.
0: Oh man. So look, I've got, uh, something like 800 hours in arc. So, I mean, it's not like it's this new game to me that I've been playing. Um, but you know, Ark's one of those, I mean, it's a base builder, right? Um, so at some point you get to, uh, and there's not exactly a lot of like story in it. Right. So at some point you get to where like, you've done everything, you've accomplished everything. Like, you know, it, it just gets repetitive. And I had gotten to that point and it's been, I mean, to that point where I would say. I haven't even looked at the game in probably a year and a half. Um, but I have a good friend who um, is, uh, actually, it's uh, Tyler. So it's Tyler and his uh, wife um, are running a um, RP server. And so I thought, well, you know, I mean, I'll I'll give it a, a shot, right? So, um, you know, just try it out, see if it's anything that, is, uh, of interest to me at all. Um, you know, I've never really done anything RP. Um, you know, I've played, um, you know, like, wow. And cyberpunk. And so I've played, you know, um, some RPGs, but never RP, you know? So, and so hang on
1: uh, back up for a second. Cause I realize now what are, what you mean by an RP server. Yeah. Like you're role-playing role-playing but what does that mean in a game like arc that's basically
0: so two things have happened in this one they have i mean arc obviously is one of those games where you can do all sorts of stuff with mods and coding and do all sorts of stuff to really you know change the gameplay to fit your play style right and so they have it heavily modded Uh, when i say heavily modded like literally i launch up arc click on the server click you know join and It takes me, you know, and I have a top of the line computer with gig internet. It takes me at least six minutes to get into the server because it has to load all these mods. Um, It's so it's heavily modded, but basically it's the same old arc that I've always played with the exception of they've added in a lot of uh, new buildings and a lot of new uh, it is set where the current technology is capped at the smithy. So there's no like uh, fabrication or um, electricity or um, and then there's a bunch of new buildings and a bunch of new types of uh, items that are in old technology Um, and you have to run around in character. So like everybody in the game has a backstory and has character and there's no like uh, voice chat um, unless you're in character. Um, and so everything is like typing through a radio across server. There's no, um, server wide chat. Everything is local. Um, and so you're running and it's heavily populated. You're running into all these people and there's some PVP and there's, um, a, uh, like there's a town, uh, everybody can go to this town and there's vendors at the town. And so you can like collect resources and go back to town and sell to the vendors and you get in-game currency. Um, and so you've got these uh, glory coins is what they're called. I think is, I think it's glory coins. And so you basically have gold now, which is something that you don't normally have in arc. Well, then you can set up shops. So like we have a shop, my, the group that I'm playing with, we have a shop um, that we built um, and we paid a deed and got a lease depending on its square footage and where it's located, whether it's prime location or not. Um, and we paid for this, plot of land and we have a building on it and we have a shop there. And then we can sell things, you know, like dinos that we have bred. Um, you know, if we've got a good mutation, we can breed there. If we've got an ascendant blueprint, or we found, you know, some really good gear, we can now sell that. And uh then they can turn around and someone can come in and buy it. And then we get extra gold to then turn around and buy it at their shops. And then there is events. So like for instance tomorrow night and Saturday, there is an event happening um, Where so they've gone in and the admins of this server have closed off all of the uh, caves where you cannot get into them. Um, And so tomorrow there's this meeting that's happening at a tavern. And so everyone who wants to be a part of the event will be at the tavern, eight o'clock, the doors close on the tavern. And then there's going to be an event inside the tavern. And all those people who, you know, whatever the story is, they, they develop this big story. It's like playing D&D. And whatever happens at the event, there's going to be something that opens up one of the caves and everybody gets to go into the cave and there's something to happen at the cave and everyone's going to be rewarded with, you know, loot and things that happen in game. So it's not just your standard arc. It's arc with storytelling and arc with a new set of um, reward systems and... Now you've got money, and you there's a whole economy, and you're, you know, selling and buying from your, you know, counterparts. So it's it's revitalized it because it's new, right? Um, so it's and like I said, it's heavily modded. So there's a lot that's changed from when you know. And I modded Ark a ton, but not these mods. You know, it's very very different from the last time I played. Very different.
1: Yeah, that's that's really neat. That's a whole side of video gaming that I've just never, ever gotten into. But it does fascinate me. Like I've read stories from, what's that space one uh, that's really popular? Is uh, it the
0: ships? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I know. I, I can't think of what it's called either. But like I've heard tons of stories of that one too. Yeah. Like there's these huge wars. Eververse?
1: Is it Eververse? Am I thinking of, maybe that's something else I'm thinking of. But yeah, there's Eververse like.
0: Eververse is a game, but I don't think that's the one.
1: Okay. Well, I, there's one that's, you know, they've got like trade federations and alliances and there's wars oh, yeah. that are going on. Oh and yeah. Yeah. It's kind of insane. I, those, those are really neat. And the concept of them are really neat. And I love reading stories out of them, but I could never dedicate so much time to one game like that. I, I just yeah. want, I want to play so many different other things. Um, it's fascinating and it's really cool that it's out there. Uh, it's really a neat uh, niche part it, of video it, gaming. It but.
0: definitely changes a lot. You know I mean? Like I, I also, I've i been playing, you know, played Cyberpunk and Rocket League and you just sit down and just kind of veg. And in this, there's a lot more social aspect, but it's like you're still, it's not just me and you sitting here and talking as a game. Like I'm like having to do things in character. And my character you know, may get along really well because of my backstory with this character or may get along terribly with this character. And, you know, like everybody is playing their own character. And so they respond to you about different things in different ways. And it creates, you know, like every encounter is so unique rather than just, you know, walking over into town and there's somebody there. Like there's like things that happen because of it. Yeah, It's really cool.
1: That is really cool. Well, thank you for sharing, um, that, uh, with us, Jason. Uh, for me, I've been playing Valhalla again, um, (laughs) as we've so elaborated on the show that if I'm still talking about Valhalla at the end of this month, that I'm going to cry on the show. I have, um, how many episodes do I have left? I've got two episodes left before I'm crying on the show because I'm still playing Valhalla. Um, <laughs> get the ball, man. I know. I am really close to the end. Uh, I think that I'm in the final at least 25% of the game, which is crazy to say because I have over 85 hours now in the game. Uh, So I kind of came up with an example to kind of exemplify why the game feels so long and tedious at this point. Um, And that is like, so there's all these points on the map, Um, you know, whether it's a gold treasure or a mystery to go solve or um, a collectible of some kind to go get. But each one of them, I mean, sometimes they're easy. Sometimes you walk to the spot, and it's there, and you pick it up, and it's done. But sometimes, a lot of the time, there's some kind of puzzle aspect that goes with it. And there was one that I I came into. There's two that I came into over the last couple nights that I played in. I was playing. And the first one, I go to the spot on the map, and there's just tons of wolves. I mean, tons of wolves, Like probably like five, six, seven wolves around the spot. And I have to fight all the wolves off. I finally fight them off. I find that there's a well there and there's a cover on the well. So I knock the the cover off the well. I climb down the well and there's uh, a blast door down there that I have to go uh, blow up in order to actually get to the treasure. So I'm like, ah, crap, okay. Um... Oh, actually, sorry, no, I think it was a key. The, the treasure had a key, so I had to go find the key. Well, so I climbed up, back up up the ladder. I searched for the key. I finally find the key, but it's behind a blast door. I, I call them blast doors, but they're like rock walls that you can put a jar, an explosive jar in front of and shoot it with an arrow, and it blows up, and you can get into it. So I finally find where the key is, but it's behind one of these doors. So then I got to go find an explosive jar. So then I'm wandering around trying to find, and more wolves show up, and I have to kill like four or five more wolves. And then I finally find my explosive jar. I take it back to my wall. I blow up the wall. I get my key. I go back down into the well. I open the treasure chest and it's like, you know, one gold bar. And I'm like, wow, that was okay. I just spent, you know, five minutes doing this and all it was was this tiny little piece of nothingness in the game. And that's kind of the that's kind of what I'm talking and it's not like it's it's not like it's neat at this point because the first time I did that it was cool the second time I did that it was cool the fifth time I did that it was still kind of cool but I'm on like my 40th time doing this in the game and it's just like it's just not it's not cool anymore it's it's just tedious now. And that's why I'm saying, like, if you tighten your game down, make your world a little bit smaller, maybe a little bit denser, lessen the things that you're trying to do, even if you do the same things 20 or 25 times, it's not so bad. It's when you do them 50 or 60 or 70 times that it's like, this is ridiculous. And and here's the other thing about the story, the Valhalla story that I've realized is that it's got a main plot line, but there are some things that are meandering around it. Um, that don't really have a whole lot to do with the main plot line. So, like, there was this whole fascinating story that was going on with my brother in the game, and I rescue my brother and I bring him back to this to this place, our village, and I've been trying to progress the main story, but I'm I'm it's taking me down these these meandering paths that aren't really useful. And so I go back to my village and my brother is still there and he's still brooding and angry over the thing that happened and this thing happened like you know 20 hours ago in the game and I can't I can't get to the point where it'll let me progress to figure out what's going on with my brother again and so it's just I don't know it just feels like there's side quests of the main quest but there's also side quests of the side quests and I, I don't know it just it feels too much it feels like there's too many busy things going on around the game and then the, like I said the 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 actions that you're doing to uncover the different treasures are just not as entertaining anymore because I've done them a million times. That's my biggest problem with these games. I mean, it it just feels, you know, already, I I feel like it's about 20 or 30 hours too long, and I'm still, like I said, maybe in the last quarter of the game. So I probably still have another 20 hours to go before I finish this game, which is just absurd to me. By the time I finish this single-player game, Story-driven single-player game. I'm gonna be at 100 to 110 hours, and I just think that that's. I mean, I could have played two Final Fantasy VII remakes in that time, and Final Fantasy VII remake is an exceptionally better game than Valhalla. So it's <laughs> it, it's just, it, and that game on its own is already a 55-hour game. So like, it's just that's where I'm 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 struggling with this one. It's not that Valhalla is a bad game. I probably give it a seven five. It's it's a decent game. It's it's there's a lot of fun parts in it. There's a lot of interesting things to look at, but it's so big and so repetitive at this point that I just I'm I'm really I'm really down on it. I don't think I'll pick up another Assassin's Creed game after this. I don't think there's any way that I'll do it. Uh, yeah, not when they're this big. That's understandable. So
0: so right. here's the only thing I would say about that that's a little concerning to me. Uh, Ubisoft is in charge of the new massive Star Wars game.
1: Yeah, uh, this is one of the. So we're going to get into that. So let's 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 pause that for just a second. Let's move on into the topics of the shows, and we can come back around to that point because that's that's going to be our number one topic. So um, let's let's just let's let's. Hold that thought for just a moment. All right, so that's what we're done. That's what we're, we're, we've we been playing this week. So let's move into topics of the show. And the number one topic is um, the umbrella point of this is that Disney has announced Lucasfilm Games. So Lucasfilm Games is going to be a publishing umbrella for anything. At first, I thought it was just Star Wars, but it's more than just Star Wars because... They also announced a new Indiana Jones game, and we'll get to that here in a second. So this is going to just be the publishing arm of video games developed with Disney properties, essentially, I think is the broader term. Um, So what does that mean? What does that mean for things? Well, at first it was a little unclear if that was the end of the EA exclusivity deal. um, And it turns out that it is most certainly at the end of EA's exclusivity deal for Star Wars games, but they're not done. They said that they're still making games. And then as Jason pointed out, uh, Ubisoft also announced that they are making a Star Wars game as well in conjunction with Lucasfilm. Uh, the team that they've tapped to make that Star Wars game is um, I think it's called massive. Um, I believe is it's, it's a weird title for a studio, um, but it is the studio behind the division, um, the division and the division two games. So yeah, um, yeah, so let's bring it back to the point that you were trying to say is that that's what concerns you is that Ubisoft is making the next game. But what I would point out is that um, no other Ubisoft game that I know of is is even close to that big as the Assassin's Creed games. Like I played all of and platinumed Far Cry 5 and the Far Cry New Dawn games and they took less time than I've already put in Assassin's Creed Valhalla together. So, I don't know that I'm necessarily concerned. Now, having said that, if it's a fun world to be in, and it's Star Wars and it's not ultra repetitive, I don't know that I care that I'm 100 hours in a Star Wars world. Uh, it's a little bit different for me in a in a Norse world. But I, I don't know. Uh, let me let me flip it over to you, Jason. What did you think of the announcement that um, Massive Entertainment? Um, what's going to be doing a
0: Star Wars game? Um. Well, so, I mean, look, I'm excited that it's not just EA because to this point, I I would say I have been disappointed with EA's work with Star Wars. Um, I mean, essentially, what they have is they have uh, Battlefront, Battlefront 2. Uh, I've not played Squadrons, but I have heard fantastic things about it. But this just came out. So this was the very end of it. Um, they, um, you know, so they haven't really done just a whole bunch of amazing things with it. Um, and so I, I'm excited for what I think the future holds. Um, you know, Disney has definitely done exactly what they should have done, which is, you know, they've bought up, uh, Lucasfilm and they are capitalizing on their, um, you know, their purchase, and they are, you know, making, you know, profit on that. And so they are now turning around and creating all this additional content with it. Um, as far as, you know, Massive doing it, you know, with, with the whole Ubisoft thing, when you stop and, like, look through, you know, Ubisoft's game, Far Cry 6 is supposedly supposed to be on a scale of Valhalla. We'll see. Um, but some of these Ghost Recon games have been pretty decent-sized, um i think wildlands was pretty big
1: yeah wildlands was decently sized although uh they tried to make breakpoint even bigger and that didn't go down well at all they started scaling that stuff back pretty heavily um i would be shocked if far cry 6 was the size of valhalla um i hadn't heard that they were claiming it was that big Immortals Phoenix Rising. I've read is only like a 40 hour, 40 hour platinum game. I I, I think it was double
0: a really. I I don't think that they ever expected Immortals to um, be a, you know, platinum type game for them. I
1: think uh, I did everything in the division and that took me 35 to 40 hours. I never finished the division two, but I don't imagine it would have been more than a 45, 50 hour game.
0: So here's the thing with, I'll say about Ubisoft with the division and the division two, both games at release were really not that good. Um, It was, I I liken both the division and the division two to um, what is my main complaint with Uh, Grand Theft Auto Online in that okay they released a game and they basically just bare bones it out and then all the really good stuff came as DLCs later on Um, and um, I'm not a huge fan of that but that's how both of those worked so hopefully it doesn't run that route Um, don't be wrong in the end both the Division and Division 2 ended up very good games but at release they were not good there just wasn't any content there is the issue that that's They were small, and all the content came a year later through three DLCs, basically. Hmm,
1: You know, so in my my experience with those games, I played them as a single-player story experience, and I thought they were fantastic. I didn't think that they were missing much at all, but I I I know that those games... Yeah, I know that those games were more like they were tried to be pegged as a Destiny competitor. Correct. And I and I know that they failed there. And I know that they had to work hard to bring those games up to a satisfactory state. And they did in the end. Um, right,
0: right. But I, I, so I'm recognizing it, what end, you're saying. Say it is a Destiny um, counterpart. I mean, I do believe it's the finished version after three D- DLCs is it does feel like a you know, a uh, non-space version of, you know, uh, a post-apocalyptic kind of, you know, version of Destiny. Um, but at release, it definitely is not. Either one of them. Right. But I, I'm saying, and, and, I, and like I said, I respect that
1: point that you're making, but w- the, the counterpoint I'm trying to make is that if you played it as a sure. single-player RPG story, it was a great game at launch. and It had a good, so- it had a good story. And it's so that's kind of story. what I'm. That's kind of what I'm balancing that against. I'm hoping that they're not trying to make another Star Wars MMO, FPS or whatever. Right? That we don't. I mean, we don't need another one of those. We don't need another competitor to some of these games out there. We've seen time and time again, like Anthem failing. that um, We've talked about on the show. Um, uh, what was the other one? Just re- Avengers uh, failing. That's a big, so here's that's why a big I property, think and that's be. failing. And so I'm really hoping that they're not going to go that route.
0: Uh, So I think they will. And here's why. Obviously, there's a million games out there and there's a ton of very successful games that do make money. But the biggest production money that comes in, the most money that comes in is these massive multiplayer games. I mean, all of them are Fortnite and Call of Duty Warzone. I mean, Warzone has been so big that basically Call of Duty is almost going away. Like they're going all in with the Warzone. Um, like, and I'm not just talking battle royales, but things that are like, you know, all this online like play that brings people together and basically you it makes it where, okay, I've played a game, but I can't quit because my friends are still playing and then we, you know, play it together and it drives more play time and there's all this extra... And then there's an economy that comes along with it with some DLC and or some in-game purchases. So the longer they can hold you on a game, obviously, the better it is for their pocketbook on that game. And that's done the most successfully through these online, you know, collection games. And so I would tell you that I think if they don't do that, they're probably doing their company a disservice (laughs) with a title as big as Star Wars. You know I, mean? I guess I just I'm just can't just, can't my imagine counterpoint to that, though, is that
1: Star Wars Battlefront, Star Wars Battlefront 2, uh, Star Wars Squadrons, and Jedi Fallen Order is the other one that, that you missed that, that came under EA. All of those sold exceptionally well, 10 plus million copies.
0: Okay. How much money so like, did those make in comparison to Fortnite?
1: Yeah, but Disney doesn't need to go and have a Fortnite competitor. I mean, look, uh, here I, again and, and I, I, I point to Marvel's Avengers. Marvel's Avengers is a Disney property. Mm-hmm. They put out a game that was supposed to be a competitor to Destiny. It was supposed it's to be a live stream, game and it's crashed and burned big time. I mean, apparently Crystal Dynamics have lost something like 80 million
0: dollars on this game. I mean, it's a it big fucking buck. It. It's awful. That's why it's awful. It has nothing to do with, you know, because it's that style. It has everything to do with, it's a terrible game. Like if it had been a good game, it could have like, cause they sold a ton of copies of it and it was terrible.
1: It's terrible. Well, again, it's, it's terrible as a live service game. And this is the thing that as the thread between Anthem, between Marvel's Avengers, between what almost took down the division is if you don't have that proper in game content, if you don't have that gear loop figured out, your, your progression loop and your activity loop that you do as that in game, you're going to fail. That, that's the problem. The Avengers game as a story campaign, again, is not bad. It play, the characters play great, but as a, as a, progression, loop-based, activity-based game post the story, it, it, it's, like you said, it's awful. It, it, it's not there. And that's the same thing that happened with Anthem, and that's the same thing that nearly took down The Division. Hell, even Destiny almost fell into that problem. So that's why I think it's such a
0: rare sight that you actually get... Yeah, it's hard to be I, successful in those games. The ones that are s- successful and done well make hands-over-fist amounts of money. I mean, look at WoW still, right? I mean, but how many other games tried to be a WoW? Like, there were so many MMOs that came out after WoW and around the time as WoW. I mean, EverQuest 2 came out the same time as WoW, and it had the higher following at time of release. It just wasn't a good game. So the whole deal is like, if you hit it and you do it really well, you make... So much money, and it's by far more successful than. I mean, look, Assassin's yeah. Creed is obviously extremely successful. I mean, look at all of them they've made, but there's not a single like there's not a single one of the Assassin's Creeds that have come close to making the kind of money that you get from one of these really successful um, online you know yeah. content games. I, I think you could name on one hand. The number of really
1: successful online games, and and You're I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna break I'm gonna break for a second because we can we can do this topic some other day. I mean, the, the really the discussion here is about Lucasfilm games and, and not what uh, we should be doing as an MMO or whatever. I, I I know how we got here. We got here because we talked about Ubisoft, Massive. <laughs> we did um, go off topic a bit. Yeah. So the the idea is is are we excited about other developers making Star Wars games. I think that's the big question, not whether, whether we're excited about what massive are going to do. Adam, are you, are you a big Star Wars fan? Are you invested in this conversation or, or are you kind of just sitting here watching us laughing? Watching
2: you guys laughing.
1: (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. Uh, I I will say that I am excited that other companies besides EA are being allowed to, to make Star Wars games. It's what they should have done from the beginning, I get why they didn't. They had been out of video games for a while. They wanted an in. EA seemed like a good fit. Uh, Of course, EA's stock crashed around the same time as they they took over... uh, as they took over that license, not linked, but it just happened to coincide, and so it was disappointing as a Star Wars fan. So I'm glad now that that's ending and that they're opening up, but I'm also glad that they're allowing EA to continue because, like, I want a Fallen Order sequel. That I would be so sad if we didn't get a Fallen Order sequel. I would love to see an expanded version of squadrons um that could be great as well that was a fantastic game so uh, i'm glad that they're opening up and they're looking for studios to make the kinds of games that they're looking to make and they're finding the right studios to make them you know for example if what we get is a third person bounty hunter shooter a la the division from massive entertainment i'm i'm stoked man i'm stoked i'm absolutely stoked if that's what we're getting Um, That would be fantastic. Imagine, imagine, you know, a a gear based game where you're a bounty hunter and you're trying to make your, you know, you're basically getting better best car or whatever, you know, as you're going through the story and you've got a big, you know, world that you can traverse and you can take on jobs and, you know, eventually maybe they even could have raids in it. I mean, I know I'm saying basically make a game like we just talked about argued but you know, d- don't do, but that could be fantastic as a as a bounty hunter third person shooter. So, if they're finding the right st- uh, the, I guess the base point is is if they're finding the right studios to make the types of games that they want to see out there with the Star Wars name on it, I think that's a great fit. I think that's a good thing and and as Star Wars fans, we should get better stuff. So, we'll, I agree awesome any other thoughts on that on that on that uh, well trend, and the next thing
0: is the only other additional thought is um, obviously when you have a singular studio producing content for um, something as big as Star Wars as many stories you're gonna get less Star Wars games um, and so by diversifying the studios that are on it this is also going to equal we're going to get more Star Wars games on a regular basis which is good news for Star Wars and gaming fans. So,
1: Yeah, I think that's a great point. I mean, what we wanted to see, I think, as Star Wars fans is roughly a Star Wars game a year. Mm-hmm. Not the same Star Wars game, like a like a Call of Duty Star Wars every year, but, you know, different Star Wars types of games, but a new one every year. And I think they styles. finally... Yeah, and I think they finally kind of hit that right there at the end where they had Battlefront 2 one year, which was a first-person shooter, and then they had Jedi Fallen Order, which was a a Jedi RPG, a Simi-ish open world, and then the next year they had Squadrons, which was a dogfighting X-Wing game. Um, So that was great, but, you know, the first five or six years of that whole um, EA-Disney partnership only produced a single Star Wars Battlefront game, which was a multiplayer-only shooter, and that was just not good enough. So... I th- I'm hoping that, like you said, you know, you got more studios, you can pair them and you can kind of make that timeline work and we can get more games. That would be fantastic. All right. Um, before we move on, I do want to touch on the Indiana Jones thing real quick. Um, Adam, are you an Indiana Jones fan? Does this excite you? Oh yeah. I love Indiana Jones. Well, since I was a kid. I mean, it's such a great story, uh, and character. Um, what do you think about a game, though, that's Indiana Jones?
2: It's kind of like what the, the Cobra Kai games would be like. I'm, I like the movies. I'm okay with it. So if the game's
1: okay, I'll be fine with it too. <laughs> what type of game would you be looking to get as an in Indiana Jones?
2: Just more of like a uh, something that would kind of resemble the movies with a few references. Just something simple. Not like a entirely cinematic, you know, Last of Us or anything like that. Because while that's cool, like, like I said, you know, sometimes with a big franchise like that,
1: I, I I could care either way. Do you want it to be sort of story driven, linear, or do you want it to be more open ended? Kind of just being in the Indiana Jones universe.
2: I wouldn't like if it
1: if it was an open
2: world, but I kind of want it to be more story driven.
1: Yeah, I'm with you there. I mean, we've seen like the Tomb Raider games and the Uncharted games, which are basically yeah. Indiana Jones games.
0: And that's what I picture it being is something along those lines, but I could be wrong.
1: Yeah, the only the only thing that concerns me, and, and I love the studio that, that, that they were announced alongside of, but I'm just unsure um, how they fit, but Machine Games... Um, which is a subsidiary, it's owned by Xbox now. They are part of Bethesda, and now they're uh, owned by Xbox. But Machine Games made all the Wolfenstein games. So they were created as a studio to reboot the Wolfenstein franchise. So they made the New Order, the Old Blood, the New Colossus, uh, Wolfenstein Young Blood, and Wolfenstein Cyberpilot, the VR game. So, I mean, that's all they've done is Wolfenstein, which are f- first-person, violent, bloody shooters so i'm a little bit unsure of the pairing here uh what do you do with an like how do you have an indiana jones first person shooter or are they going to go and make a third person game that's totally not what they've th- what they've been doing for the last six seven years maybe they can add a uh, a zombie version of indiana jones <laughs> that, that would be kind of cool a Call of Duty desk zombies mode yeah. for Indiana Jones featuring Chris Pratt. There you go. Um, I don't know. I, I I mean, I'm excited to see an Indiana Jones. I'm excited that machine games are a very talented studio are going to get a shot at it. I'm just, I'm less certain of what I could be getting from this studio and this franchise than I am say with massive entertainment and star Wars. Um, what do you guys make of the fact that, you know, machine games is under Xbox could, could do you foresee a world where there's an Indiana Jones game released and it's exclusive to Xbox? I, I would hope.
0: Not. I do see that <laughs> uh, It being, you know, a property that is a, I would say like a Microsoft property. So PC slash Xbox. Yeah. I can receive that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've seen this debate raging now because it's, it's kind of, Again, we've got no confirmation from Xbox or Bethesda as to whether their games will be uh, exclusive. But this is where I could see maybe that whole topic of, well, it's case by case, right? A a deal made with Lucasfilm for an Indiana Jones uh, tie-in game. Yeah, they've got their studio making it. And yeah, maybe it's still free or part of Game Pass, but there's no way that they can make a deal with Lucasfilm where this isn't this isn't on every console. So maybe this game coming from Xbox publishing arm is multi-platform. But say like Starfield, which is wholly owned by Bethesda, that could be exclusive to Microsoft platforms because that's not a third-party license agreement for a property from Disney or something.
0: I mean, I'm, I I see both. I mean, look, I get that. You know, someone like a Lucasfilm or, you know, wants their game to be on as many platforms as possible and that kind of stuff. But there could also be, you just don't know the behind the scenes, how much money was dished out by Xbox. You know, they could have had it more lucrative for them for Xbox to dish out and say, hey, we want to make it exclusive. So, I mean, I could see it both ways. Obviously, Xbox wants it exclusive, but whether or not they could get that, I I just don't know. It's all about money and we don't know what the money is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely true. Uh, and I did hear that this deal was made prior to the Xbox purchase. So there's no real telling how that l- agreement was made um, because it would have been made just between Bethesda and Lucasfilm and wouldn't have necessarily involved them thinking about Xbox as a partner right. at the time of making that deal.
0: Right. Now I will say this, knowing that n- new bit of information it seems more likely that it would not be exclusive.
1: Yeah, I think that's where I, I'm I'm leaning to on this one, and I think that could be where you're seeing that sort of vague answer coming from Phil Spencer because they know they'll know all of the projects in work across all of these studios, and maybe there's enough of these types of deals going on. I mean, you've got the Death Loop, and the um, for getting uh, Ghostwire Tokyo deals with PlayStation. You've got this Lucasfilm de- deal. So maybe there's enough of these kind of going on that it doesn't make sense for Xbox to come out and be like, oh, yeah, it's going to be exclusive to our platform because there's enough of these, oh, but this one, oh, but that one, oh, but this one. Right. They'll and make as much like exclusive, yeah.
0: but they won't be a totally exclusive studio. Yeah.
1: That's where I'm falling now, uh, especially as we see more and more of these things pop up. Overall, my summary is I'm excited about Lucasfilm. I'm excited about them wanting to bring more of these properties to video games. And if we can start getting some good AAA licensed games from good studios um, that make good triple a games already machine games and massive entertainment are proven studios. Uh, I think this is going to be great for us uh, nerds going forward. I agree. All right. Um, item number two um, it's, it's not as uh, broad of a topic here, but I just, it's something that I noticed, um, you know, Riders Republic got a delay. Hogwarts legacy got a delay into 2022. It kind of brought this broader topic into my head of, okay, COVID really hit the games industry last year and it hasn't gone away. So what could we see with the games industry this year? How much more is going to get affected? Um, because we already see that that the early part of this year of January February March it's f- pretty light um, in terms of new video games. When over the last few years, particularly from about 2016 onwards, it was becoming a really heavy period of time to to release games. The January February March April time frame was becoming a really popular place to put games out. And this year there's almost nothing. And I think a lot of that has to do with new consoles and with COVID together. So I guess what I wanted to spin out to you guys and, and Adam, I'll give this to you first. How much do you think that we're going to see the video game industry affected this year by this? Are we going to end up having a very um, sort of, you know, light year in terms of video game releases?
2: I think we are uh, mainly because there's probably a lot of people who can't work from home with the same equipment as they do at their, the workplace. But I think that the effects of what's going on now is going to last for a couple of years for for one positive reason. It's it's negative at first but it's positive in the long run, but you know, when people aren't working and they they're that creative type of person like where they're always thinking like let's say the the story writers and stuff like that, whenever they're idle, all they can do is continue to to think of stories. And so I think with this break technically that they're going to be getting they're going to be able to formulate so many different stories. And we may end up getting some great games after this. And if not great games, some great franchises, you know, at least like a boost in storytelling or what they envision things going later on down the road. So that, that's what I think is going to happen.
1: That's a really fun thought. I hadn't really given a whole lot of consideration to, I hope you're right. That, that, that sounds really exciting. I, I would definitely be, up for a lot of new well-thought-out uh ip that we haven't seen anything of before we certainly get a lot of repeats I, you know a lot yeah, of the same call of duties
2: let's get away from the Fortnite
1: shits and uh,
2: the call of duty shits and then all the other shits that are coming out that's over and over and over like the remakes and the revising and then the remastering and all the other re-re's that are coming out.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I can respect that. But so that kind of goes into my next question, Jason. And that is if we kind of had this feeling that that games were going to be light and there there was going to be a lot of stuff getting pushed, should we have pushed the consoles too? I mean, I kind of, I don't
0: know. I don't, I don't think so. I mean, it's, it's, forever been the console's, you know, launch at, uh, for, you know, basically Christmas, right. Holiday schedule, which means they would push it to this next, uh, you know, I, my thing is they had the inventory, right. So I mean, I'll just tell you in my industry, like we are, I mean, you're going to see more and more and more of it where, uh, so my industry, you know, real life is, um, we're importers, right. So think like Sony and they're importing in all these consoles that are made overseas. I mean, heck, even, even Microsoft, they're not making, you know, the consoles here in the U S right. China. So, um, so we get all this stuff from overseas. Well, like the thing where you're about to run into is we're going to have some price increases and we're going to have some major, um, material shortages, um, because we can't get containers in right. Like, because what's happening is you've got this massive pileup. When I say containers, look, I'm not talking all, and I'm in flooring, right? I'm not talking all flooring. You go to like the ports right now. And the problem is, is you've got this giant line of 70 container ships all just waiting to be unloaded. It's it everything from tires to new PlayStation consoles to, I mean, everything. And they're just sitting waiting because they don't have, you know, the same number of employees that they've always had to unload these ships and they've gotten backlogged and then it it just turns into more of a bottleneck and it gets more compounding and compounding and compounding. So the material's there and it's just sitting on the water on a boat waiting for someone to unload it. Right. So this is something that if they didn't release it now, um, which by the way is also something that you're, which is why you're seeing they're having so much trouble restocking all these consoles because they can't freaking get them in. Mm -hmm. They cannot get, like they may show up and they're sitting at port in you know LA, and they could be sitting there for an extra three months than what they're supposed to. and, and there's and, some
1: uncertainty too probably on on the on the publisher side, Microsoft and Sony side. right. They may not know when that's going to get cleared up.
0: Oh, absolutely. we don't know when that stuff's getting cleared up. So it's just one of those things what I'm getting at is there's there's additional things where okay, they could have waited, but they had the inventory now. You might as well get some return on your inventory, release the consoles, um, and then struggle with your inventory throughout the year rather than stockpile your inventory entirely, have zero, um, you know, income and wait until the following year to release and, you know, basically still run through, possibly still run through this. Right
1: well I mean that's that's a fair point I mean getting the consoles out is okay it's just it's a little bit disappointing from the perspective of we've got these brand new consoles and a lot of the new games that could be taking advantage of that are getting delayed out further and further um and they're not gonna just suddenly stack a bunch of games on top of each other so it just means that we're gonna have this dead period i guess
0: I don't know it's it's always pretty light I mean look back to when Xbox one came out right like you had like rise and you had, I mean like there's some pretty shitty games and not very many of them at all of these console releases. You know what I mean? Like uh, I feel like we're in the now on it. And so everything is like, you know, what's happening now is front of mind. But when you stop and look back at like, okay, when these consoles come out, like it's always pretty light when they first come out. So I don't feel like we're off kilter a ton, you know? Mm -hmm.
1: So I I respect that point and, and Adam, I'm gonna flip this question to you. Do do you think though that it's different this time because there's such a blurred line between the PS4 PS4, PS5, and the Xbox One, Xbox Series X? In the past you know, PS3 and PS4 were just totally different ecosystems. There was no blurred line at all. They were—it was a sharp wall between the two. And I think that's why you saw a lot of the, the kind of—at least in my opinion—the barren stuff at the at launch. But what do you think, Adam? Do you think that that because the two consoles are are much more similar this time around, and developing for the two of them is is you know, unless your CD project Red is is relatively uh, a lot easier, that that maybe there was some hope that it wouldn't be so barren at launch. I'm not sure, to
2: be honest with you. Like, there's just to me, to me, there's just too many variables outside of the consoles where I just it's hard to say.
1: Okay. I mean, yeah, I mean, that, that was my thought that, that, you know, because you could have been developing something for the PS4 for a, for a while and then decide, okay, now that we know where the PS5 is, we can also do a PS5 version and it's not that much work. Whereas in the past with PS3, PS4 or 360 to Xbox one, it was, you had to really be designing for one of the other. It was, you know the the games that straddle the generations, like FIFA and such, they had wholly different teams making one version and the other version. Um, and I think, to me, I think that's why you you saw this happen a lot more. But I, I don't know, Jason. Do you think that there's any validity in that point?
0: Uh, I mean, you know, I, I do think that. I mean, uh, surely, you know, COVID with the work at home. I mean, you know, again, I've been in quarantine and I've been back home. And even when I've tried to get back to work the end part of this last week, like, um, you know, working from home has its own difficulties. So I think there's slowed uh, amounts of work. Um, People don't get the same amount of work done um, as a whole. There's some people who probably get more work done at home. Um, But I would say the majority get less, you know production done at home versus at the workplace so I would say as as a whole the company or not the company the the landscape is if we're going to be working from home um, you can expect less production which will affect yeah. you know how much gets out how quickly it gets out and the quality of it so you'll end up with more of I mean you basically had the entire finish line of cyberpunk being done at home right I mean that all happened basically so we went from March you know with them entirely working from home and you saw what we got you know with that so you know um, you know I would say they probably were given you know all the stuff for the you know new consoles and they did all they could on the new consoles for Cyberpunk Uh, and that's why the the PC and the new consoles worked great but they just didn't have the time to do the old consoles. Um, You know, and they weren't as, you know, functional as they thought they were going to be, which is probably happening with a lot of things. They just run out of time. Um, And so, you know, it's just a matter of how much do they go, okay, we didn't finish it and we delay, or how much of it do they just go, ah, let's just shove it out there and we'll fix it later kind of mindsets. But I think as a whole, we'll just see less production. We're just not going to be as productive working from home. I don't
1: know. I, I think that's a mindset shift. And and let's I mean let's let's touch real quick. I don't wanna spend like I don't wanna spend much more time on, on Cyberpunk, but you brought it up. That game was supposed to release in May. So that game was supposed to be done sort of right after the coronavirus stuff hit. You're, you're, so uh, I wouldn't say that the whole finish line of that game You were right. You know, it's not like a game like Valhalla, which was always supposed to be a fall release, or Immortals: Phoenix Rising, although that did get a delay. Um, I think there are games that were always finishing at the finish line during the COVID era last year, but something like Cyberpunk, I think they're they're unique in how disastrous they launched. There's not much other games from the AAA level that launched to that disastrous of a level, and I think that speaks to something far greater than just COVID-related problems. But again, I, I I think the broader point I'd like to make on this is just that I think it's a mentality shift. I can do 100% of what I do for my job as efficiently from home as I can from work, um, and I think that it's a, it's a mentality shift. I see where you can can say that uh, that productivity can dip. And that's because people are like, oh, well, I'll go put a load of laundry in or I'll go talk to my wife or whatever, right? But it's just a mentality shift. I think if you, there are plenty of people like animators, let's say, right. that have always worked from home and, sh- and animated shows have come out on time and they haven't been affected by... All of, you know, everyone suddenly going to work from home. I think the reason why you saw such an impact to the video game industry is because they weren't used to it. That once you get through this mentality shift, period, like for example, Microsoft are saying that they could be going to offering work from home full time as as a more of a company perk going forward. So I think... As you get these workforces going through this mentality shift and, and and seeing that they can do things differently and that they enjoy working from home but they still have to meet these targets and they put in different ways to make efficient um, – working together efficient and things like that, that it – You'll see you'll see that productivity come back. I I just think it's a period and I could be totally wrong. I just think it's a period of learning how to work from home and how to coordinate and be efficient and still get things done but doing it from home rather than an office because they are so different in how you approach your job.
0: No, oh, definitely. And yeah. I, I guess in my personal um, whether or not my kids are home it makes the difference. When my kids are home I, I can't get crap done.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think you just have to have a wall and, and this isn't a work from home podcast, but I think you have to have a wall, you know, you have to have a barrier. And if you can't figure out how to get that beer barrier in place, then yeah, you're going to struggle working from home with kids for sure. I, I can see that. That's true. Okay. Um, Moving on, uh, I only had one other topic and I don't have a whole lot to say. I just wanted to point this out because I saw this come up and I thought it was interesting. But um, Steam released their top 100 uh, selling games for 2020 and Xbox Game Studios had six games that charted on that. Um, the Master Chief Collection, uh, Ori and the Will of the Wisps, uh, Flight Simulator, and... Um, Age of Empires 2, Grounded, and uh, uh, Sea of Thieves. So six games that charted in the top 100 that are published by Microsoft, by Xbox Game Studios, and if you broaden that out to the new Bethesda Studios that they've that they've taken on, uh, that that grows to 11 games. So 11 of the top 100 are just more than 10% of the 100 best-selling games uh, on Steam this past year. Fall under the Xbox Game Studios umbrella, and I just thought that that was really interesting because people give them a lot of shit for moving over to PC, and they claim that that's the death of the Xbox brand and stuff. Also, on this podcast, we've totally not been down that road. We we think it's a good place to be. We think that that's the right move for Xbox, and I think that this shows that if you've got if you've got just another revenue stream for your games, and you're selling a lot of copies over there it's just a great, it's just a, it's just a boon to what you're doing. You can look at Xbox and say, well, maybe they have only sold half the number of consoles as PlayStation, but they make that up and more with the number of PC gamers they're getting to. Um, so I don't know. I don't, I don't know what you guys think about it. I don't have too much more that I really wanted to say about that other than I just thought this was really interesting when I saw this.
0: I, I agree with you. I think, I mean, obviously Xbox is very successful, right? I mean, look at them. I mean, we all know they have money, right? But, I mean, look at the money that they dump into Xbox. If it wasn't a successful business and producing good money for them, they wouldn't be buying up all these entities and spending all this extra money. I mean, I kind of liken this to uh, Disney and their big purchases of, you know, Lucasfilm and Marvel and then their turnaround and what they're doing with it. Um, Xbox is basically doing the same thing. I mean, they're investing money in something that's already making money. Um, so they can make more money.
2: Yeah, I mean, look what happened with Mixer.
0: Well,
1: I mean, what's your point there? Expand.
2: Like, it seemed like it was successful, and all of a sudden it wasn't, so they just dropped it. Yeah. I think Ninja, like, they spent so much money on Ninja, and they made themselves broke on that end of it.
1: Well, I mean, but they probably paid them a few million dollars a year. That's that's pocket change for a company like Microsoft. But yeah. I just think, I guess, I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out what your point about Mixer as it relates to Steam. Are you saying that diversifying is the right no, move? I mean,
2: going off Jason's point, like you know, they're t- they're used to making so much money and investing money. You know, they're investing money in the right stuff. And if you know Mixer wasn't the right stuff, obviously not, they're not going to invest any more into it. Okay, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's. They yeah.
0: okay. killed it rather than continuing with it, right.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. So that, I guess, gives um, hope to Xbox. They would have killed Xbox if they weren't making money and just gone as a game publisher. But obviously, there must be something good about Xbox as a console, as a brand, for them to continue with it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I I like that. And, and like I said, I just think it's just really interesting because especially when you look at the tiers, so like the platinum tier and this doesn't, they don't, steam doesn't say what this means. Like do you have to sell 10 million copies to get the platinum 8 million? They don't say that, but in the platinum tier, you've got doom eternal, which is now, I mean, that was a, that was a Bethesda game, but that's now going to be an Xbox studios game. And then in the gold tier, you've got elder scrolls online. You've got the master chief collection and you've got Sea of Thieves, so that's three and now four games between the Platinum and Gold tier that fall under that Xbox Game Studios banner. So clearly they're going to be selling a lot of copies of video games over there, and it's another just another great place for them to be. and And if you're buying them on Steam, that means you're paying the full price of the game. You're not even using Game Pass there. So and, and PC players could go get Game Pass and they're not. They're buying it through Steam. So clearly Game Pass isn't scalping sales from them. And clearly being on Steam is a good move for Xbox. They're not certainly not hurting as a brand by being over there
0: in terms of sales. I, I would say that Game Pass for PC players is still very niche. Um, you know, I, I'm obviously on it, but I have a lot of gaming buddies who are not. Um, I mean, I, I mean, I'm a big time gamer. I have not played on my Xbox in f- forever now because, I mean, it, of Game Pass, right? Like there's no reason for me to go to my Xbox when I can just do it right here on my PC. So, um, but there's so many people who just are like, all right, well, ready to play an Xbox game. And they go to their Xbox rather than just like, like right here. So I'd still say it's a bit niche. Um It's not huge for them. I think they're looking to grow that, but it's just not where they want it to be yet. Yeah. So, do
1: you think as they grow that they'll abandon Steam, or do you think that they're just going to embrace both because it's just
0: it's it's fine to embrace both? I think they will embrace both because um, yeah, yeah, I think they'll embrace both.
1: I agree, and I think it's the right place to be. I, I really do. And 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 actually, if you kind of peek down this list down towards the very bottom you'll see that Horizon Zero Dawn, which was... Um, yeah, Sony's Sony- starting to do it too. We had that com- right. comment in a couple of episodes back. Yeah, and that game charted in the top 100. Now, pretty far down there, not anywhere close to any of the the other Xbox Studios games, but it just shows that there's money out there and, and maybe trying to be all hoardy on your console doesn't really make a whole lot of sense as a... As a publisher if you're just trying to to make bank so i don't know just something to keep your eye on as we go through this next generation and something certainly to keep your eye on in in the whole xbox versus playstation and whether xbox is making the right moves by embracing pc i think this is showing that it is the right move
0: so one last little input on this so i i believe personally that the thing that steam does better than anybody else is release games in uh alpha or you know i mean like they're i think they do more of that than anybody else um and i think they do it well um and so when you're talking microsoft and you're talking bronze you've got grounded on here which is obviously an alpha right um Mm -hmm. and i mean i i think that you could possibly see um xbox really lean on them for more of their alpha type games um for this exact reason, because Steam, I think, is better than anybody at that.
1: Yeah, I mean, Microsoft have been doing that Xbox game preview on their console, too, mm-hmm. so Grounded is in that program on console. Yeah. Um, it's another interesting asp- aspect where they're trying, because they brought mods over as well with, like, Fallout yeah. 4. Uh, so it's just another interesting aspect where Microsoft is trying to pull some of that PC stuff over to console. So, yeah, it's a great point. I, I agree. I agree with what you're saying. Okay. That's all the topics we've got for the show. Um, I'll move over into some games and not much, obviously, as we just talked about the, the only one that I can highlight that we we talked about in our big January releases a couple episodes back is Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Um, that, that complete edition re-release is now out this week. Uh, it is also a beat up. So, you know, if you like your Cobra Kai's and your Battletoads. um, or your Streets of Rage, you can go and play Scott Pilgrim as well. Another beat up game. Uh, another thing I wanted to highlight that I read about is Star Wars squadrons is free to play this weekend on Xbox. So if you haven't tried it out yet and you want to give it a shot and you don't have game pass, cause it's uh you can give it a shot through game pass as well with the EA play portion of it. It's not the whole game isn't in game pass right now, but you can at least give it a shot. You can demo it, but Uh, The the game is free to play this weekend. So if you don't have game pass, you can try it out just this way. No, no money at all. And also it's on sale for $24. So if you liked it, uh, you could, you could get it for uh, a 40% discount. So I wanted to highlight that too, as another option uh, with the barren nature of games out there and finally the other thing i wanted to mention we had another reader write in kyle greenhall wrote in um, and linked us to an article about the monster hunter rise demo and said that he quote thought this could be an interesting topic for the show i know it's a game series y'all haven't had a chance to delve into much but pretty high demand it seems it took my switch almost three hours to download just the 1.6 gigs Due to the strain on the Nintendo eShop servers, so I, I clicked on this article that Kyle linked to us and I read through it and I was I was surprised too. I mean, there's there's definitely something here. Um, they put that demo out and a bunch of people went for it. Now, granted, uh, Nintendo's servers are probably not on the same level as Microsoft and PlayStation's. They're not used to seeing that level of volume, but clearly that shows some demand for this. Monster Hunter Rise, which is sort of the next big game in the Monster Hunter uh, universe um, with Monster Hunter... What was the... What was the... Monster Hunter World was the one that came out a few years ago. Uh, are either of you interested in trying out Monster Hunter Rise on Nintendo Switch?
0: I don't play on my Switch much. I mean, I I, I just don't. So... Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> I, I could
1: see that. Uh, Adam, you play on your Switch a lot more. Is this something that you might give a shot?
2: I wouldn't mind doing it, but the only problem is playing Monster Hunter World is that it's hard to get through the game without a party. And so a lot of my friends, i.e. you guys, aren't on the Switch playing this game. I mean, hell, y'all weren't even on Xbox playing this game that often. So it's it would be hard for me to justify buying it just because of that.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Is this another co-op game? Uh, Let's see. Uh, The sample of the upcoming Switch exclusive also includes local and online co-op play, so there is co-op play here, allowing you to team up with your friends. All up, there are four different quest types, a beginner quest, an intermediate quest, and a basic training quest, and a rivern riding training quest with all 14 weapon types playable. Uh, Here's a brief rundown about the the beginner and intermediate quests which are both co-op quote for this demo you'll get to explore the shine ruins. This is a great locale for learning about wirebug and the new step boosting endemic life featured in this game. The beginner quest features great Izuchi, Izuki. Uh while the intermediate quest has you take on a Mizutsune, Mizutsune. I don't know, I'm probably butchering these Kyle. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. This is just not my it's not my universe, not my world. Um Quote, you'll be able to take a palamut and or a Palico with you so you can experience riding a Kanin and Uh, receiving various kinds of support from your buddies. I know the Palamutes and Palicos are the like cat buddies or whatever the cats or the whatever your little companion um, person um, uh, pet is that 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 you go with. I know that. I don't know what a Kanye is. Bro, I have listen, no idea. you
0: you just ride Kanye all day long. All right. <laughs> I almost said Kanye. <laughs> and I was like, there's so no way. So <laughs> you get to ride Kanye in this game. <laughs> you get to just amount of ride population. around on his back. Yeah. Best marketing he could have right there, man. You know what?
1: Probably in this day and age, if you had a game where you literally rode a Kanye around, that probably <laughs> wouldn't um, <laughs> go down well with our, our social environment that we now live in Uh even if people don't like kanye that there's just a probably a stigma with that 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 may not go down well but um I, i think i'll give this i'll at least give the demo a shot i mean it's a free demo um i'll i'll download it i'll give it a shot um adam if you do as well maybe we could talk about it a little bit and give uh kyle a little bit of a spotlight i i appreciate that you you write in and, uh, often, and you listen to the show every week. Uh, and unfortunately, we're just not big Monster Hunter fans. But since it's a free demo, uh, I did give the Monster Hunter World demo a shot uh, way back when that first launched. So I'll give Rise a shot. I'll try it. I'll see what it's
0: like.
2: I I don't know. Like the thought of being like writing Kanye, just and then like <laughs> would, that make, <laughs> would that make me Kim Kardashian? That ma- that's very unsettling.
1: Ooh. Does does Kim ride Kanye or do I'm not going to go down this road. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um yeah, I would laugh
2: at that but it hurts too much to laugh so I just I'm just going to go haha.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> right. Well, anyway, there's there's some different ideas for you. There's not a whole lot of games coming out, so try Squadrons out for free this weekend and try the Monster Hunter Rise demo out for free this weekend. That's what we've got for you as opposed to some New game that's non existent. So that's all I've got for the show, guys. Anything else before we head out?
0: I think we're good. I mean, weirdly enough, I've kind of changed my mind. I will probably try this on the Switch. It's just on the spot, changed your mind. Yeah, I don't know. I just the idea of writing, I probably will.
1: (laughs) It's the whole writing Kanye sold it for him. Yeah, all right, well, right there. (laughs) all right thank you everyone for listening to this here the 26th episode of the tricast gaming podcast we hope you enjoyed it as much as we did remember like subscribe review on your podcasting app of choice and if you have questions dm us on twitter or facebook like kyle did and we will read it out for all to hear Uh, we will be back again next friday with episode number 27 have a great weekend stay safe and game hard